0: You pressed play on this podcast with the click of curiosity. It is another dimension, a dimension of mind, a dimension where nothing is sacred and everything is explainable. You're streaming into a land of both inside and outside of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the midside.
1: Welcome to the mid side where we understand the first amendment. I'm your host. Justin M. Lezneski, the Hopeful romantic, and I retroactively and proactively denounce anything anyone has ever said and ever will say on this show. A lot of farce to talk about this week. However, unfortunately, it is a lot of the same farce, just continuing and continuing. Now, I did sort of predict that in a few earlier episodes this season, but at the same time, I don't know if this is a result of just the media figuring out that people like more long-term storylines. It's, it's sort of almost like professional wrestling at this point, right? Where we don't know if, if this is all part of the plan or if it's just that this is legitimately what's going on with the farce. But it's 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 very repetitive so far this year. Uh, because of that, I've added in a couple topics before we talk about the more broad uh cultural for the entire country, more national farce, just a sort of couple of things I experienced this week at school that I thought were interesting topics that I wanted to get my co-host's opinion on, and then obviously your all opinion on it if you'd be interested in sharing that in the Discord. So why did I bring in my co-host, joining me this trip from Dale's Lawn, identifying as a woman to forgo his white male gay privilege, William Green.
0: Hello, hello! Yeah, it's been a great week, productive week. Uh, nice UFC fight this weekend. Uh, did you hear, Justin? Uh, the president was at the UFC fight. It was in Miami this this week.
1: So he's gone from the college national wrestling championship to the UFC fight. See, this yeah, he was sitting in the front row, front
0: row, right next to the uh uh the guy that's in charge of the UFC. So don't they know he's a criminal? I well, I I don't know. I I you know he wasn't wearing an orange jumpsuit. Um. How so, dare he? I uh, know, I know, and and it, it gets even worse. Uh, there was a, a a fighter that had been in the elite, in the UFC for gosh twenty twenty five years, something like that. Finally retired. Um, he had lost his match, but it, he he fought well, but he just you know just couldn't couldn't really win. Um, and uh, he thanked the the best president in the world. And uh, boy, were the my California viewers uh, that I,
1: I was watching the match with boy were they triggered? Imagine being triggered by an opinion and this goes both ways right like remember when lebron james said stuff and everyone was like shut up and play basketball like
0: <laughs> well honestly like, i sort of
1: i sort of put it in the category of thinking uh Jeebus.
0: um you know sort of yeah. like but you know there's a sense in which you could acknowledge uh acknowledge uh a fan you know like maybe the president is a fan of his i don't know i know he's a big fan of president trump from uh yeah.
1: from knowing a little bit about the fighter. but um, I think there's a little bit of a difference, William, with thanking Jesus. As now, in one exists? Well, I was going to say one sitting <laughs> in the front <laughs> that's a, row. That's a but, tiny,
0: distance, small distance, <laughs> <laughs> small difference.
1: You know, thanking someone who's sitting in the front row, maybe you don't have to call him the best president ever, but, like, acknowledging that a former president is sitting in the front row kind of is, I don't know, kind of important. Yeah. What, I, people are going to respond and say, Jesus sits in the front row of our heart. That's true. That's
0: true. Well, and it was it was fun to watch. I mean, you could see him because he was in the front row. You could see his reactions. He was he was into the fight. So I don't, I don't know. It just it seemed like he was enjoying himself.
1: He, he's living while he can before he gets put away That's for life. The, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's just crazy how polarized are things with this. And I think that leads into a little bit of the farce. I mean, when we talk about uh, DeSantis and Newsom this week, I think it's directly related to exactly oh, what he you think DeSantis,
0: too. Because he's a Florida <laughs> resident.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no, he didn't. Yes, he did.
0: <laughs> you can't write this stuff, man. <laughs> I know. Man. I was la- I was laughing and then everyone was triggered and uh, talking about how much of uh, how he's indicted and he's
1: going to go to jail. It's like, oh, you might want to check that premise. Dude, what sucks for us about all of this is like... It sounds like we're Trump defenders right now. I know. That's
0: what that's what it always (laughs) sounds like to 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 my California friends. And I'm like, no, I don't like this man. But like I want if we're going to put him in jail, let's put him in jail for a real crime that he's done.
1: (laughs) Well, and even more fundamentally, than this like, I don't like this man. But like, I like the fact that a a fighter can support him, even if I don't. And it's hilarious to me that people get that upset about like a random fighter supporting him. You know what I mean? Well, he should he should be drummed out of the UFC clearly. Cuz one fighter, right? One fighter supports him.
0: I mean, it's, it's Nazis. A... We're, we'll talk about this later. It's 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 <laughs> it's clearly Nazi supporters. So
1: it all comes together. And when we get to our final trailer, you guys will realize what we're talking about. So, I think that's a good tease that sets up everything we're going to talk about. Let's do it in Life on the Midside. Take
0: a good look around. just like
1: That's Bowling for Soup with that drop. They just released a cover album. I wasn't a big fan of their cover, Hey Mario, by Pat and Pending. But they covered yeah. a lot of bands. They actually covered Blue October, HRSA by Blue October. So it's, it's kind of cool to see all the different bands and their cover. I William, like their
0: video. I like their video of, of the Patent Pending song. But the Patent Pending song, the original video, is just amazing.
1: The original video and song is a lot better. There's a lot more energy in the original yeah. song. Yeah, It felt like they meant it more. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I I did, I will say, I really like Bowling for Soup's cover of Flowers by Miley Cyrus. I think it's probably the best cover and better version than the original song. Awesome. Anyway, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so through Patreon or Locals. Patreon is per episode, Locals is per month. That's com slash Patreon or com slash Locals. We accept any and all support, including, perhaps most of all, affirmations. William, the first thing I wanted to talk to you about is one of those things that I think is an old age thing, and because I I think it's a cultural difference due to technology, but I wanted to get your perspective on it, because to me, it's also an example of Gen Z, or I don't like, I, I feel like even referring to people by their generation is kind of like oppressive or dismissive. But I feel like it also might, this thing might be the example of the the youth being overstimulated and always having to be entertained at all times. And what I mean by that is in my classroom, kids were talking about silent showers. Now, before I even continue, William, if somebody talked to you about silent showers, what would you think? Would you even know what that was? I have no idea. Is it some sort of meditation? I, I, I realize you also don't know what this is because it says silent showers in the show notes, so you must be very confused right now.
0: <laughs> no, I read it showers. I I figured it was showers. I did figure okay. that out.
1: <laughs> it sounds like some weird shower versus grower thing where it's silent yeah, showers. Yeah. Or, or some weird flasher. You cause silence when you show it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a silent shower is like a mime flasher. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, silent showers, right? So I go, what are you guys talking about? And they were like... Well, a silent shower is like a shower when you don't have music on. And so my first thought was, you mean a shower? But apparently they're all so used to leaving their phone playing music loudly when they're in the shower that they call showers when you don't do that silent showers. And to me, that's crazy because I reflected for a second and some of my best thinking and some of my most relaxed alone time is in the shower. Yeah. And I would be giving that up and I would be, I would having that be intruded upon by other people if there was music involved. And I'm not going to lie. Like every once in a while I've done it mainly actually, since I moved to my new place, right. Since we bought this place. Cause we have such like a big bathroom and big upstairs and everything. But it's just, I, it never occurred to me to create a concept called silent showers because most showers are not silent. What do you think of this? way? Is this like an example of, like I said, overstimulation? Is this an example of why kids aren't developing self-esteem? Because they're always, their brains are always intruded upon by other people?
0: I don't know. Like maybe this solves the mystery of why no one takes showers at the gym anymore. You know, stuff like that. Like we talked about. I think uh, adam Corolla was talking about it actually about uh about you know the older generations are comfortable in the gym showers but uh you rarely see folks that are younger you know being comfortable or taking showers or anything like that um so maybe it's
1: because there's no music in the gym shower justin i think that i think that makes sense because yeah. when there's this is something i always say to the kids, right? Because they always want to have headphones in. They always want to be on their phone. And I say, you're mediating reality. You're not truly in the experience of the moment. Like somebody who walks around Disney with headphones in is like one of my biggest pet peeves. Now, oh, obviously, yeah. obviously, autism aside, right? I'm not talking about somebody who's covering their ears with noise-canceling headphones in order to avoid the overstimulation. But let's use that to perfectly segue into what I mean. And I'm sure you get it, William, because you just said, "Oh yeah," in a way that wasn't the Kool Aid man. Uh, <laughs> it's the idea that a normal person is stimulated by everything, and you're avoiding that stimulation of the external reality by blocking it out with whatever is in your headphones.
0: Yeah, and, you're, you're in a you're in an environment with which is a, a artistic recreation of reality, right? And you you're you're putting something in the way of that.
1: Now, if you're not able to wear headphones or uh, have music on in the gym, maybe the problem is you're too uncomfortable with reality, so you can't accept and deal with the awkwardness of showering in public like that. Look, I'm not going to lie. When I was younger, I was insecure about showering at the gym, but I stopped caring. Yeah. And, I mean, the weirdest it ever got was... When I got out of the shower one time at an L.A. fitness in Santa Ana, some like gay guy tried to talk to me. <laughs> that that was weird. You know, like I'm for picking up
0: men in the grocery store. I'm against picking them up, stepping exactly out of the shower. I think that's uh, a little bit too forward.
1: Yeah, it's a little inappropriate, right? So, like, yeah, I get when women mean... Maybe a conversation
0: pick- in the hot tub, I'll allow,
1: but... Yeah. uh So not all gay men, not all men, but obviously that was awkward. But (laughs) yeah, um, yeah. so I get it. It's awkward, right? But imagine it being so awkward in your own shower by yourself that you need to play music. So the fact that like silent showers is a concept they've created, that kind of that blows my mind, man. You know, my little my little brother, um,
0: I say little brother hes only four years younger than me and he's taller than me. Um, He always would listen to music in the shower, but he's also one of those uh, uh, people who you know, he's in the shower for like 30 minutes. It's definitely a relaxing time for him. So I guess the, the music is a part of his relaxation, for sure. But uh, like you were saying, like, I would not be able to, like, that's a time for thinking and reflection usually for me. You know, I, I would miss it.
1: Well, the other thing you said about uh, time, like a long shower for me is 15 minutes. Oh, like yeah. Usually I'm in and out in five minutes, wash my hair. <laughs> I've, been, <laughs> I've been deployed washed.
0: too many times to take to take long showers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, right. I, I, I come back from the gym way too often, and I live in Florida. So you know how many times a day I have to shower from outside? Like, it's ridiculous. So yeah. that's the thing, too. Like, how long of showers are these people taking? Which, again, then costs money on the water and electric bill, too. I, so. bet,
0: I bet I would be done showering on average in 1.5 Newfound Glory songs if I put music
1: on. <laughs> And you know what, dude? What if I ever put, uh, if I ever put music on, I look two or three songs ahead, like on a playlist or something. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, can I stand these two or three songs, or am I gonna want to change them? So it's exactly that one and a half songs. Of course, then something else I wanted to to bring up was uh, another thing a kid said to me. So it's the off season, and I've put together a training schedule for for my girls got a few of them coming out with me every day we run a mile on the track which is four laps around a, a track and then we go lift because the most important thing in the offseason while there's a few days of, of drilling with the club team right because there there is a club team is to condition and get your strength up because right? you can't be lifting heavy during the, the season because you're going to overtax your muscles and not be able to perform at peak efficiency in the matches, so you do it in the off season. For instance, we had some matches. The club team went and wrestled some matches on Saturday, so we lifted on Friday. And one of the girls who's newer was like, well, I don't want to be sore for tomorrow. And I was like, no, we don't care about tomorrow. Who cares what happens tomorrow? Just lift today. But... As we were running the track, right, it's it's track season, right? So the track team usually is warming up, stretching out everything while we're running. And as I'm, like, rounding the, the corner on, like, my third lap, which, by the way, is the worst time to talk to me, right up three laps <laughs> deep on a mile, like, yeah. don't, don't talk to me, like, I, I can't breathe right now. But this girl who's... She's a really good sprinter, right? She's really athletic. If you saw her, you'd be like, wow, that girl looks like really powerful. She says to me, she goes, why do you run every day, coach? And, you know, I would have stopped and looked at her funny if I wasn't, you know, running a mile. Uh, My immediate reaction was just to tell her to stay in shape. But here's the thing that's crazy to me, William. Shouldn't a high school athlete know that concept implicitly shouldn't you have been taught and internalized the concept of sports are a life skill for quality of life and it's about staying in shape for your entire life it's not just i'm going to participate in this sport this season yeah the question kind of dumbfounded me maybe maybe yeah it
0: would be interesting to ask like maybe it was like maybe maybe they thought that only you only lift weights as a wrestler, you know, because you you see a lot of wrestlers they're, they're 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 lifting weights. You know, that's the thing you would associate with wrestling for training, right? Not running necessarily, but so maybe it maybe could, it's just it a smaller error is all I'm saying. Not not this larger error, but it could be the larger error too.
1: No, it could be the smaller error, especially because and I don't think anyone's gonna listen to this, so I don't care. But there's a volunteer coach who's like helping some of the boys weightlift, and apparently he was he was talking some shit, saying like I don't know why. Coach L has you guys run every day. William. We're running a mile. Yeah, you're not doing we're, hyper endurance. I could understand
0: an objection right. if you're like, oh, yeah, we're we're running a half marathon every day or every other day right. or something or do well, we we cross- we're run a
1: 5k every yeah. day. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, it's go outside, get your heart rate up and then go in and lift. Like, don't you have to get your heart rate up? The way I learned to lift is you get your heart rate up and your cardio going before you go lift, you don't just lift cold. It's not going to help your muscles as well because your blood's not pumping. Am I wrong? That, that's
0: that's what I was taught, too. I don't know. I'm no sports uh, kinesiologist or whatever.
1: Right. But, I mean, it makes logical sense, doesn't it, if you know how the body works? Yeah. So So it's interesting, William, large or small error, it's interesting that so many people don't have a clue who are involved in sports. And I also appreciate you checking me a little bit because it, it shows me that I have more to teach more people than I realized, yeah. if that makes sense. Like Showing how this integrates in, right? Right. And I didn't think... Both I, at I the sports
0: thought, level, but then at the life level, right? There's right. two different levels to think about.
1: Right. And with the track girl, I didn't think like, oh, I would have to teach her too. Because one of the hardest things, William and this actually happened at the tournament on Saturday. One of the hardest things is like realizing you're everybody's teacher and coach. Yeah. And it, yeah. maybe that sounds conceited, but like she's not my athlete and I've never had her in class. So I didn't think that uh, she was my student or athlete. But now that you say that, like they see me as a coach and when they interact with me, it has to be that way. Cause like, when I'm around girls wrestling, like, I help girls on other teams, especially in the off season. Like, yeah. a girl wrestled my girl, and she was really athletic, but she kept backing up. And, like, at the beginning of the match, the first thing she did was back up. And so after the match, I was like, hey, you know, you're pretty good, but, like, keep going at people. Don't back up. And then her next match was against one of my other girls. And the first thing she did was went right at her, and I went, well, ironically, she listened to me, (laughs) right? (laughs) Yeah. It made her a much better wrestler, but, you know, I guess sometimes it's good to have the reminder that, you know, your role is your role. And, unfortunately, in today's day and age, where you know, people say things about mansplaining and... Isn't all of coaching,
0: if you're a man, mansplaining?
1: Yes! Thank you! Like, dude, do you know how hard it is as a white person at a predominantly Hispanic? Like, the two major ethnicities slash races at my school are Hispanic and black. Do you know how hard it is to, like, try and teach and not try and come across in a way that somebody's (laughs) going to call me on something? Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm so careful with, like, my phrasing and everything, but then I also have to appear super laid back. Because if you're, like, super, like, direct, like, you can't be a Mr. Feeny nowadays. Like, no one would ever, like, respond to that as a teacher. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's it's so hard, but but part of the reason it's hard, dude, is the ongoing like cultural stuff that we're gonna get into now. And the first is right in Florida. So again, with the most magical farce on earth, we've been tracking uh, the battle between Disney and Desantis. And if you remember last week, there was that clause or whatever Disney invoked about the the longest or the the last remaining heir or relative, once that's, they're dead, the the law dies or the agreement dies. So Disney invoked that in order to keep their power over their Reedy Creek Improvement District. Well, apparently, and Daniel is the one who sent this back, sent this to us. Apparently, DeSantis fired a shot back in which he's saying uh, they're going to Using the powers of the board that are remaining, they're going to raise taxes on Disney's hotels and impose tolls on the roads on Disney property, right? Now, obviously, it's not Disney property anymore, right? Because it belongs to the the tourism board. But I, I think this is what we were saying since the beginning. Is it not, William, the idea that this is a perfect example of government getting involved with business what it shouldn't yeah yeah
0: i think we talked about it before despite our uh distaste for universal i the right way to get back at this is to give the same freedoms to disney's competitors not ratchet up what would be considered usually democrat ways of of doing this now if there's some i mean i guess they would put this in the veneer of well there's things we need to pay for and uh so this is how we're going to pay for them but I'm, I'm not buying it.
1: No, this is part of the disagreement over Disney's policies. Yeah. And again, we'll see this in our final trailer, right? Their, their wokeness, which we've talked about ad nauseum, And we'll, we'll talk about, again, there were actually a couple trailers. D- DC did it as well in their trailer. I don't know if you noticed that.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, but that's what this is. But. This is an example of even the right, even the people on the right, William, see government as the cultural arbiter in our society. I do not disagree that there is a problem with our media. I do not disagree that there is a problem with our art. I mean, that's a large thrust, thematic thrust of this podcast. However, I don't think it is government... I don't think it is DeSantis' job to fix it. All DeSantis is going to do is turn Disney World into Disneyland. And what I mean by that is it's going to have the same problems Disneyland has because yeah. of the Anaheim government's involvement there. One of the great things about Orlando and what's made Orlando Orlando is that they, regardless of who was the governor, regardless of who was in power, they've been left alone. By the government, but now I mean what's the end game? that's the question here is what is the end game here because it seems to me the only real logistical end game would be just to let apparently the governor of Florida or the state of Florida decide what Disney's movies and values are what well, what could be the end game William
0: yeah, I think we have a false dichotomy bro here right and the reason I say that is we have the right taking up the weapons that the left use to fight the culture war in the government, rather than destroying the weapons, and that's what they need to be doing at the government level. We should be thinking of how to apply individual rights and freedom so that this culture war happens in the culture and not on the not using the levers of power. Right. And I know we keep getting back to uh, you know the separation of uh, economics and state, the separation of of uh education in state but that's where the battle needs to be drawn right and uh i think if this is this is because we we because the Overton window keeps shifting and there's no you know the 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 the, the little L libertarian side of the republican party uh never uh, can almost never stand up for principle uh this is the situation we get into and i think it connects to a story i don't we don't have this week but you know the 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 talk about banning tiktok right the law is written in such a way that it's giving the government a weapon to pick and choose uh which quote unquote foreign companies with undue influence they can uh smite from 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 uh d c and that's that's the opposite of what we should be doing We should be removing
1: the government's weapons to influence the culture agreed and I think the ironic part here is desantis who was such a champion for freedom over the pandemic, is, as you said, rather than keeping the weapons out of Florida, because I wouldn't even say the weapons were in Florida, he's bringing the left's cultural weapons into the government of Florida, whereas now I'm not a Florida expert as a, I just moved here. But based on what I can see, and correct me If you know anything differently, William, he's bringing those weapons to Florida, whereas previously they did not exist. So he is actually. Unintentionally, I would say, I mean, there's intentionality with what he's doing, but I don't think he's intending to open the door for the left, but he's unintentionally arming them without realizing it. You see what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: Well, and I, I think that it's clear that the, the bigger battle is the state of Florida. And it's the bigger battle of sort of, I think Florida is sort of the last place where the left doesn't really have a firm foothold. And what I mean by that is I think Austin is where the left is trying to get into Texas and they're going to sort of grow from there. And I, I don't think they quite have that in Florida, especially because they, they've, they've seem to have lost Miami. And we see this because, dude, I, my mind was blown This week when Gavin Newsom was in Florida, right, he has a tweet from April 5th. Met with some librarians today while in Florida. They shared with me the rich, diverse background of the town and what's at stake if we ban our kids from learning our real history. So apparently...
0: (laughs) Yeah, our real history, like the 1492 project or whatever.
1: Right, the 1619 project. 1492 that, that <laughs> when, that's when columbus sailed the ocean blue wasn't it <laughs> well yeah i mean that's when racism started in america it's When columbus oh, okay. landed i'm just making a oh, joke okay fair, <laughs> enough, fair enough okay i get it i get it you had to explain that to me i was a little dumb right <laughs> but apparently that's what he's doing right so a reporter for san francisco gate says that he was in sarasota meeting with the new college of florida students and faculty uh Uh, This is where DeSantis has been fighting his culture war. They're claiming because of, you know, all the curriculum stuff. And here's the quote I want. Here's the quote I want you to know about William, because I think it speaks volume. I think this quote, say what you will about Newsom. He is on message for the left. And I think this quote demonstrates their techniques. I think it encapsulates it. Ready? This is what he said. All right. I want you to know you're not alone. You matter. We huh. care. Oh,
0: as, as the great Adam Crowler would say, what a bunch of chick think. We've cared exactly. so hard for the last 30 years about homelessness in, in here in California, and we're still the number one state per capita for
1: homelessness, total and per right. capita. Right. But this is what the left does, right? It convinces you you're a victim, or it preys on the fact of actual victimhood. Right. Because there are a lot of people who, as we see, have experienced trauma, either from broken families or they've been put in terrible situations. And the left promises they're the ones who care about it. It's it's sort of like Stockholm syndrome, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I It's funny to me. It, it
0: reminds it, again, I keep making the parallel because it's just so in, 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 in your face. This is this is religion, right? Like this is if you pray then God will provide and, and if if we care then that's all we need we just need the caring not the deed but the but the but the the motivation that's all we need it's just the motivation right not the actions we don't need to do any actions just the caring
1: well it's supposed to make your... you that's
0: supposed to solve your problems make you feel better
1: and to continue your religious metaphor isn't this the equivalent of going on a mission trip to Africa <laughs> yeah, I, I I think I texted in the thread. I was
0: like, keep him, keep him there in Florida. Like, keep him on this mission trip. He can't do that much damage
1: uh, in Florida. Yeah, no power out there. Well, you would you would think that that would be rational people's reaction, right? But. People in California have to be like as religious people when someone goes on a mission, be like, "Oh, this shows how caring he is, and how we're lucky to oh, have yeah. such a great He's trying man to bring the gospel. He's trying to
0: bring the gospel of uh, liberal uh, liberalism and uh, social justice to Florida. I mean, the, this backward state that uh, that you know, all these souls that are are threatened by Nazis and fascisms from uh, DeSantis, they need to be saved.
1: Yeah, that's why. Um That's why I always comparing it to doing a mission trip to Africa, because people go to Africa because of their belief that they're backwards. Right. And they're they're. uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Not tribal. But the opposite of developed. Third world. I don't know. Savages. Right. I think they're savages. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's that like sort of racism in that. Right. And there's a sort of. I, it's not racism, but it's like a culturalism against Florida in California, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, well, it connects to the Florida man meme, right? Right. Well, this is what I've always been saying about the, the cultural warfare against the uh, the state of Florida. I mean, and that's what you were talking about with the UFC fight in Miami.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? That couldn't have happened in California. Could that have even happened in Vegas? <laughs>
0: I don't know. That's a good question. Do you think... I, I, I can imagine that Trump would 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 be able
1: to uh, attend in Vegas, but uh, yeah, it wouldn't happen in California. He'd get booed in California, right? He would never even go in California. And I wonder what would happen to the to the fighter in California. Probably get booed during his retirement,
0: but but then in, in Miami, he got cheered.
1: All right, let's move on to uh, another trend right because the whole Florida versus California DeSantis versus Newsom thing is a trend this year right farce is a trend which I don't know it's it it almost seems like DeSantis isn't gonna run this time because doesn't it seem like everything's being set up for a Newsom versus DeSantis presidential battle
0: it kind of feels like that I can't imagine them thinking that long term though Justin in all honesty like not 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 the uh, po- the political parties here. I'm talking about. Maybe DeSantis is thinking of it in those terms. Newsom Newsom just is uh, he's just a power. Uh, like he's going to always seek more power. And right now, he thinks he can get more power by trying to influence Florida politics. Which I I think I think the Democrats are probably more scared of DeSantis, uh, an extended DeSantis governorship than necessarily a presidency. The reason I say that is I think they think they've got the the. You know, despite the economy tanking and and um Biden having dementia i think they think that they they they're so delusional that they think they're going to win back the house and they're going to they're going to have uh have whoever be be president uh whether it's uh uh the giggler or
1: uh um Newsom fair enough so the other trend Right, And here's the thing, William. I hesitate to even use the word trend because I don't know if this is a tragic coincidence or not. And that's kind of what I want to sort of tease out here and discuss a little bit. Because, of course, on one side of this issue, people are like, oh, trans people are all crazy and want to kill everyone. And then on the other side of the issue... People are like, "Oh, you! Everyone hates all trans people. Want to kill all trans people?" And both those sides of this are insane because I think there's important, legitimate questions to be I raised. I think this here. is our
0: this is our second false dichotomy, bro. Right? We talked yes. a little bit about it last week. We know trans is is a mental issue. There is a mental issue here, and there's all almost always, almost always, other underlying psychological issues for folks who suffer from uh, gender dysphoria. So, right. like that intersection—mental health and guns—is a thing, a thing that we've struggled, struggled with in the past.
1: Yes, and unfortunately, we're not even allowed to ask questions now because oh, the no. phrase "ask me questions" even has been called is, a dog whistle. Yep. Yeah. Me even
0: saying that phrase makes me immediately attack all these. All these labels get attached to me because I make that connection. But that connection is obvious to anyone who knows anything about psychology, and I'm a
1: complete layman. Right. So from a Newsweek article here about a 19-year-old was arrested in Colorado Springs over plots to shoot a school. And this 19-year-old was a man transitioning into being a woman. Now, it's unclear. They don't say what that transitioning means, right? Which is a question I always have, William, is with all of this trans stuff, this transgender stuff, we never get a clear definition in the broad culture of what being transgender means. Yeah. Does well, that it's, mean it's, you've it's, had it's, surgery? A, dis-
0: I, I think we do, Justin. It's a religion. You have joined this religion, whether that included medical transition or hormones or nothing. I think it's a, it's a religion. It's, it's being converted. They've been converted to the social justice religion in a particular denomination, the trans denomination.
1: Yeah, I think your your point is right psychologically and philosophically. Yeah, and I th- I think you're making a more pragmatic point
0: than my well, and question. I think the point I think that the point you're making is the same thing that we saw during COVID, where we couldn't talk about how old any of the deaths were. If you remember, right, all of a sudden the the, the ages got like we always would hear like so and so died, so and so, forty eight died today of a heart attack. You would always see the age. The, the age was always something was never. Uh, considered some sort of uh it, it was just a fact that was always included like their name um but once covid hit ages were all gone we were supposed to assume they were uh in the peak of their youth uh, at 28 and they were dying right and i think the part the point you're making justin is we're seeing the same thing with this with with folks that are because i don't see this as a trend of trans shooters i see this as the continuing trend of of folks with mental issues going on these killing sprees that we've seen in our culture forever, right? This isn't new. It's just the current, where, where are the crazy people being attracted to? They're being
1: attracted to this religion. Right, because let's be fair to actual transgender people. And what I mean by that is people who have actually gone through some sort of process of transitioning, be it chemical or be it, Surgical,
0: now or I'm not even or even to that. or even just psychological counseling, right? right? Dealing with gender dysphoria, and not right. not changing their
1: uh, appearance at all. Right now, I'm not saying I agree or disagree with any of that. Right, that's first of all, I would say that's a personal choice. Right, and part of the issue with all of this is it's oh, we're trying to make trans the same thing I've always said about homosexuality, where people are like, you need to accept homosexuality, like. No, what you need to do is just get everyone to leave you alone. And what I mean by that is when people commit, you know, and we can argue whether a crime can be a hate crime or not, but when people commit hate crimes, the issue is that they're doing things to you because of your orientation, which is the problem, right? That You don't need them to love you for it. You don't need them to celebrate you for it. You need to just be, oh, okay, that's something somebody else is. Yeah. So, you know, again, I don't, actual transgender people exist, I don't care. Do what you want. Right. It's none of my business. Right. Let's get before we continue down this path, though, William, let's get the details out. The suspect. This is from the Newsweek article. The suspect has been formally charged with two counts of criminal attempt to commit murder in the first degree, criminal mischief, menacing interference with staff, faculty or students of educational institutions and is currently in custody in arrest documents. The subject is referred to as she slash her. According to authorities quoted by local media, Whitworth was a former student of the Colorado Springs School District, having attended school in the area between 2014 and 2019. Police reportedly recovered a manifesto from her home where she reportedly mentioned mass school shooters and their casualty versus injury rate, detailed a list of firearms and how to 3D print them, and which contained locations of schools in Colorado Springs District 20. The affidavit obtained by Fox News. That's a, another interesting thing, right, William? That Fox yeah. News got it because, as we saw with the last thing in the Nashville shooter, the manifesto is still not published.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think it's also for a lot of folks in the religion, this is, you know, they would not consider trying to get any of this information because they would see it as inflammatory, right? Right. This is anti trans to even. Try and right. look at this information or consider any of this information, Justin. I'm not even you.
1: talking about it, yeah. Attacks, how dare you? Right? How dare you? Yeah, yeah. So anyway, the affidavit states that Whitworth told the investigators that she was working on the school shooting plan for a month or two and was about a third of the way from doing it. Her main target was Timberview Middle School, but Prairie Hill Elementary and Pine Creek High School were also potential targets, as well as churches in the area. All those schools are District 20, one of Colorado Springs. Largest school districts. First of all, William, before we continue, I would just like to say perhaps progress is being made because this person was identified and dealt with before anything actually happened. Now, nothing may have ever happened. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They said there were no weapons. Uh, This person was about a third of the way from doing it Uh, when they were picked up, when he or she, whatever language you want to use, when the person was picked up. Uh, he or she was drunk at their house. So, uh, clearly there's alcohol, if not drug issues here as well. So who knows if anything would have happened, but Mm -hmm. I mean, bravo to the fact that somebody in law enforcement actually got ahead of one of these issues and stopped anything potentially from happening. That that's gotta be a cultural win that nobody's talking about. Doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think so.
0: You know, there's a couple of interesting things I want to connect with this story. and and the first one is, you know, it's been a while since I've been in Colorado Springs, but and so if any any listeners that are more familiar with it, more recent areas, but but my background on Colorado Springs, it's highly religious. I mean Air Force uh uh I think the Northcom is there, I think the Air Force Academy is there, AFID is there. Um, but it's it's highly religious area, right? That's the first thing to to think of. Colorado Springs. Like if you're if you're more familiar with Denver, that's a little more cosmopolitan, but um, but Colorado Springs is is while not I wouldn't necessarily label it completely socially conservative like like Bible Belt, but it's it's a very religious area, and so I think we we have to be careful, but like we're con- like there's some Christians that are connecting this and saying that there's a lot of a lot of this, these, uh, the the pattern in the recent attacks have been very anti-Christian, right? The last school shooting was a Christian school, right? Um, so there's something to be something to be at least aware of there. But just the other thing I want to uh, connect it to is, you know, the Tennessee House, right? Like uh, I think on the 30th, they they had the the these protests, the insurrectionists in uh, Tennessee trying to interrupt the, uh, um the the uh, Tennessee state legislature on on trying to they're talking about the some anti-gun thing, right? And I'm having trouble, Justin, with all, this story kind of highlights it for me. I'm having trouble squaring this round uh, 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 peg. Um, They, like, obviously the government is fascist, right? They're, They're All the government is Nazis. And therefore, we want to ban guns so that only the Nazis have guns. Is that the logic I'm supposed to take away from this?
1: Yeah, because as long as the Nazis believe in the proper fascist religion, then it's acceptable.
0: No, I guess I guess that makes sense. But there were signs and stuff at the protest about taking away guns, and I'm like, I, I'm trying to match because in the 80s and 90s there was a, a a small but very vocal minority of gays and lesbians who were very pro Second Amendment. I think they were called the Pink Pistols, and their whole focus was self defense and the fact that. You know there were gay bashing, and and that this was you know that this was something that was necessary for that they they saw it as a almost a moral responsibility to if you were gay or lesbian to to learn how to protect yourself right don't be a victim that that used to be a movement that strain is just seems to be gone right you don't or or maybe you don't protect yourself in this religion like that right maybe you protect well, yourself with the catechisms too. of social justice right
1: right. The only way to protect yourself is to uh, accept with everyone else that you're a victim and to well, enact the state to protect everyone.
0: I, I think it's even deeper, Justin. I think the way to protect yourself is is not even the thing that they would consider anymore. It's how do I make myself the proper victim? That's really what it is. And then how do I get external validation? Because that that's the narcissist. They, they can only get that validation externally. So... Like you were saying before, it's not that leave me alone, which is more my kind of style of being quote-unquote gay, if there's a style of it. Now it's, I need validation from everyone. I need everyone to praise me for being so special because I'm gay. Well, and... And acknowledge my victim status.
1: Right, and I think that's sort of something nobody is addressing with all of this, and it may have contributed to a situation like this, when you think of a... 19-year-old who transitioned or is transitioning or says he's a girl. And what does he think he's going to get for that, William? That external validation, for sure. Right. Which, what do you not get as a young man of average looks and intelligence? Nothing. You get nothing. Right. You get nothing. Indifference. Right. You get apathy, indifference, and, you know, it's not fair, and it's the way the world is, but most of us have been through it, and, you know, it's become like a meme that incels complain about it that men don't get compliments. I mean, I'm married, and I still don't get compliments. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that, that, that's just the way a lot of a lot of women are. You know what I mean? It's the idea that, look, have I ever, William, and have we ever on this show said feminism doesn't have points about the way masculinity is treated and the way masculinity is seen. I think we've actually said the opposite, right? We've said that there's a lot of good things to be taken
0: from, especially the first wave of feminism.
1: Right. The idea that, you know, uh, you know, that's said as toxic masculinity now. Right. But the idea that men don't need validation, that men don't need that psychological um, reflection. Right. That a, a relationship provides you. Right, the idea of fathers not expressing emotions and being sort of the more withdrawn Eastern European yeah. father. Yeah, it's right, more the are more the rejection of stoic,
0: stoicism. Right, right. There's a. I, uh, I was a little bit triggered by the way the article was phrased, but I think uh, Ari put a put a YouTube video up about stoicism, and I I think I would have phrased it differently. They they tend to be, uh, uh more. Uh, I don't think they'd have the right approach. They were saying like, Hey, stoicism is evil basically, but there's some things to take out of stoicism. But the the problem with stoicism is that, is that it naturally leads to that more toxic style of masculinity where you're hiding everything versus experiencing everything and, and understanding what, what it means to be a man does include a bit of that stoicism, but it's not the stoic way is not, The way to be vulnerable and make emotional attachments it's it it doesn't it doesn't understand it doesn't uh connect with how male psychology works and how men seek validation from other men and from family and from
1: you know others right so when i look at this shooter and i believe the the shooter in nashville was also a male to female transition yes Uh, It's so hard to tell these days, Justin. I believe believe that person was as well. Yeah. Because what I'm seeing here is rather than look at this individual for the issues this individual has, the individual has now become an icon or a token in these religious cultural battles that you're talking about. Oh, well, this is now an example of how transgender people are victimized whereas why are we not looking and saying maybe this is just someone who is looking for external validation and he or she whatever term you want to use was just trying to find a way to be validated externally yeah First, i think that's the true as, you know i've
0: i've brought it up a bunch of times on the on the on the show about cluster b personality disorder this is a cluster b issue right this is not has nothing to do necessarily the root cause is not trans is, is really what it is. It's it's our inability to talk about some of these issues at the root cause level. Right? We have this anti-concept that trans is somehow blessed and beautiful and and angelic and uh holy. And instead we should we should be looking at what is causing this kind of behavior. And it really comes back to, like you said, this this inability to internally validate yourself, to build your own character, to seek self esteem from your values, and instead require this external validation. I don't want I, I don't want some random person's validation. I don't want some social justice person to feel that they need to validate me. I care about what you think, Justin. I care about what our audience thinks. I care about what my friends and family think. Yes, but even then, there's this core of who I am and who what I value and what I've built. That's the validation that I see.
1: Yeah and even to build on that a little bit further I think you're even couching it in the idea that this person is legitimately trans yeah. and I'm trying to draw a distinction between teenagers who in general teenagers struggle with this idea of how much external validation is healthy. Oh yeah. And then we add in social media, we add in the social justice religion and then I'm distinguishing, based on all these premises, people who legitimately suffer gender dysphoria and transition or deal with that gender dysphoria via psychological treatment and people who say they're transgender in order to deal with another issue or simply. That's the way they're going to be a victim and they're going to get the external validation they need or mm-hmm. that's the camouflage they're going to need to survive in society because as you said which is the best way to protect yourself while well, it's by being a victim
0: yeah yeah and i think it comes back to just to tie it it back to the religious aspect this is a holy war to folks who fall in this psychological trap it becomes a holy war and that's when we think about it in those terms it's much the same as the incels And I think that's that's the part that that's the uncomfortable truth that we need to to be thinking about.
1: The reason it's the same as the incels is twofold. And this is going to lead into the next topic. The final bit of farce we're going to talk about this week that you said in William is it degenerates into collectivism and wanting your collective to be the ones setting the rules, because that's what's so scary about incels is incels just say. We're all this group and we have no control over who we are. And because of that, we deserve a certain amount of power to get our needs fulfilled. And we get to define our terms as a group. And you all don't get to define your terms. And then we've essentially killed the other side's ability to have any sort of natural rights based on their victimhood status. Yeah. So, William, you sent me a tweet, which is exactly about defining terms and writing rules. Uh, I honestly did not watch this video. I don't need to watch this video. Uh, It says, the tweet says, Democrats in Washington state are weaponizing the tax system by going after private employers that they believe pay too much, proposing something literally called an excess compensation tax. Now, William, I don't think I need any more context. But is there any more context to this that you think needs to be said? No, I, I, I this the only thing I would say is
0: the reason this I, I do want to say the reason why this makes me angry is, Justin, how it's been since 2015 that I've been, you know, building my uh, building my retirement, my restaurant empire, right? It's been since 2015. Do you know how many of those years since 2015 I've actually paid myself anything versus paid into it? None you're correct so things like this mean things like this mean that when i finally am ab- able to pay myself and have this excess uh, income uh, someone's going to look at that and moralize and say i'm evil for it and i i just have to reject that right Th- this is i'm thinking long term this is this is uh this is this will force business owners like myself and and other folks to think short term And that's a terrible way to build an economy.
1: Well, yeah, the whole thing is short term. What you're talking about, William, is you're taking the principle of delayed gratification. Yeah. And you are personalizing it. And I'm glad you're doing that because it's demonstrating the real life effects of these things. People put in work before they get paid for it and then they get paid later. That happens. That is reality. That's usually how it happens because when no one knows who you are and when no one believes in you because they haven't seen what you're capable of you have to work for free and then usually later on you get paid for that and paid back the problem is they are defining the rules here and if you set the principle of there is a such thing as excess compensation and government gets to decide what it is this goes back to adam carolla's law creep about smoking. Oh, there's a smoking section. Oh, you you can't smoke within 100 feet of the building. The excess compensation line will keep being moved so everyone each year can only make a certain number, a certain amount of money, and the rest is taxed. This is a way of backdooring in universal basic income where they're mm-hmm. going to define what everyone makes and they're going to be in control of the economy prove me wrong William I think
0: you're uh, you're 100% correct
1: William my degree from FU says you are 100% correct I think that's correct but that said William in the drop I was the one who was correct this time <laughs> well I said you were
0: correct and then you said oh, okay.
1: that yeah Right. Do you understand what I'm saying? If they get to define excess compensation, they can define it at whatever they want. And they're going to change that every year. And they're going to creep it a little bit every year. This is terrifying. And yeah. it goes to the other story you sent in about Google and Amazon. They're not able to fire anyone in Europe.
0: Yeah, I've never understood this about, uh, I know. I know uh, maybe some of our European listeners might get triggered by this. I've never understood how how difficult it is to fire someone in Europe. And there's this concept in business. Um, uh, it's called race, don't chase. It's from the manager tools guys. Meaning like when there's an economic downturn, you need to race to cut your costs. And labor is a cost, right? This is the is at stake. That's Business survival is at stake. And if there's an economic downturn or some sort of, downturn in your business in your business sector or anything like that, you need to cut as fast as possible and deep as possible because it's it's better to survive and then regrow than it is to fail, right? Like to 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 ultimately fail. And Justin, with this, with this inability to lay off workers and the cost just like being there, how are how are you know the bigger companies, they'll they'll spread that cost over. what I mean by that is like Amazon and Google they will uh, they'll just fire more american workers to make up for it right or indian workers or whatever right and we've already seen this google's fired tons of people and amazon tons of people in india and america other places that don't have these laws but what are these people going to do like if there's not enough if there's not productive work for them to be doing if there's if if the economy is sending this signal think of the wealth destruction that's going to happen just by having these people just sitting around Right now, I know they well, won't literally be sitting around; they'll be doing something, but they they won't be doing anything productive. The, uh, the 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 economy, if we put that in quotes, the market is telling you that now is the time to 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 uh, focus. Right? Focus is what the economy and in the, the market is telling you, and they won't they won't be able to.
1: Yeah, a couple of things to build off of what you said. Uh, I think there's a better way of phrasing what you said because you phrased it as like oh, well, we're going to be making less money, so we just need to fire people because we need to make less money. No, you're going to be ramping back your production, and when you ramp back production, there's less work for people to do, so you need fewer employees. It's not just you go, we're going to make less money, fire people, because that's not fair. That's not fair to be like, oh, okay, you don't deserve to work because there's uh, a downturn in the economy. It's, no, we don't have anything for you to do. Yeah, there's no one to so, buy the thing. Yeah, exactly. There's, right.
0: there's no one to buy the thing. We've got to stop
1: right. making this thing. Right. And whatever but those I things it, are. I think explaining that chain makes the business owner look less cold. You understand yeah. what I'm saying? Because yeah. if you make it seem like, oh, we're going to make less money, you die now. Like people are going to be like, wow, capitalism sucks, right? Yeah. Well, no. it gets back
0: to it. It gets back to the con the the context that a business owner has that I, I think people who don't own business have, and that's the concept of the organization is here to serve the market. And if the market is telling you that no one wants to buy this thing right now, or no one has the money to buy this thing right now, you have to stop making it. Like you right. just have to. Your right. your job is, is the market.
1: Exactly. Right. And the market is a metaphor for people at large. Like if you look at everyone as a cross section, it's not just like, oh, this invisible hand or this uh, undefinable concept. Right. It's just a term we use. And I think people miss that. And that's the second thing that I wanted to build off of. If you're doing this, the companies effectively become a tool of the state because it's the state deciding if they're going to be paid or not. And then who are they paid by? There's no such thing as a free lunch at this point. Isn't this the governments of Europe saying that these companies that are in Europe and America are going to use America to subsidize the European citizens? I guess so. Like, I don't know enough about European labor laws, but can you
0: imagine having a construction company and not and and then like, you know, right now there's a big downturn in construction and not being able to fire like the electricians, because there's literally no houses to be built? Like, what are you supposed to do? How can you, how can you, th- again,
1: it gets back to, how can you think long-term, right? Yeah. Uh, and the final thing I want to say about this, William, is I hate to always do this because then we seem like we're religious on our own, in, in our own right. However, I mean, Imran literally wrote about this with Directive 10289 in yeah. Atlas Shrugged. The idea of the economy being frozen and no one can be fired or hired. This is this literally exists in a piece of fiction. And and I I hate to say that because then people are like, oh, you're just a card carrying objectivist. And, you know, that's your religion. But I mean, if it's been written about, it's been written about. I mean, how can you deny that reality?
0: That's very true.
1: And and I think it, it reframes like I think a lot
0: of people we've talked about this with jobs in the past. People see jobs as like a thing you have a right to. Instead of this amazing thing that capitalism provides and, 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 and this ability to offer your work, your productive work for, in exchange for, you know, goods and services.
1: Yeah, and we'll get into that in, in the last trailer with one of the lines in, in a Disney movie. So, all right, let's get into that. Let's talk about some art. Uh, I think we had a major win, at least relative to the way the movie economy is right now. For art in this country. Let's talk about it in The Hopeful Bromantic with JML. As always, if you'd like to continue the conversation with us during the week, you can do so by joining our Discord channel. If you just go to midside.com or themidside.com slash podcast, click on any episode link in there, you will find the Discord join link. We invite you to ask us questions, submit some farce for us to witness, or watch some trailers to get ready for trailer takedown. This week, William, I want to talk to you about the Super Mario Bros. movie. I saw it, and I will say that all my reviews this year, I've been saying that we haven't had our first really good big movie. Well, we've had our first really good big movie. And here is my one-sentence review of it. Though its short runtime makes it almost feel like a proof of concept for Nintendo animated films, The Super Mario Brothers movie's technical execution and love for its source material makes it so the only MCU you want to see going forward is the Mario Cinematic Universe. And that's really the two things I want you to take away from what I'm talking about, William. One, I really didn't understand how this this movie was made for kids. Because if you grew up when we grew up, You could see how this is just a giant nostalgia trip for us. I mean, the movie opens with the theme song from the Captain Lou Albano show. And then using that, they have the bit to explain the New York accent. Right. So we have the the lack of an Italian accent from Chris Pratt and Charlie Day. But they have that explained. And then going forward throughout the entire movie, it's just... Even like, let me put it this way: much of the the the, the score, much of the 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 soundtrack is eighties movies, eight sorry eighties movies, eighties music, eighties songs, which is when the original NES came out. And then the score itself. If you didn't play these games, you wouldn't pick up how brilliant the score is, because such of it is subtly the music from different Mario games and different levels, and you can literally pick it up. I mean, I'm not really a gamer, but I grew up on Nintendo. I mean, so one of my students asked me the other day, they were like Xbox or PlayStation. I was like Nintendo, right? Which is another thing, right? The current generation isn't even really big Nintendo fans, but I was able to pick up where all the songs were from. I was like, Oh, that's that game. Oh, that's Yoshi's Island. So, Ultimately, I you know I said to my wife, I go compare this to like a Frozen or a Frozen Two. If you're a parent, right? If you're Midsider or Michael out there, which kids movie you're gonna want to put on? This is a kids movie you could put on in the background and not want to blow your brains out because of how annoying it is. Because it's actually enjoyable, and that's the second thing. As I watched this, William, I was like, I think they could legitimately do a Legend of Zelda movie. And then I was like, I'd love to see them do a link to the past movie. And then I was like, I can't wait for the, the Donkey Kong country spinoff franchise that comes out of this. They have this whole thing set up. They have references to Donkey Kong country. DK's in this cranky Kong's in this. They have gags about, I mean, there's a little icon for Rambi, the Rhino from Donkey Kong country that you, you, you catch If you've played the games and you're paying attention, it's all in there and it's ready to go, especially if you consider the opening of Epic Universe is coming soon, which Nintendo lands already open in Hollywood. But when Epic Universe opens, they're going to have an even bigger Nintendo world there. No one will ever convince me that they didn't make this movie Because Universal and Illumination, you know, Illumination did the Minions and Secret Life of Pets, which there are rides for in Universal. The Secret Life of Pets ride is in Universal Hollywood, but there's Minion rides in Florida and Hollywood. No one will ever convince me that they didn't make this movie knowing that it was going to connect to the land. And I know when I go eventually that there will be elements in the land that come from this movie and they have to be hoping to expand the land later on and expand people wanting to go to it and the audience of the land with further movies in the entire, as I said, Mario cinematic universe. Because it should come, and I think, I, and I'm hoping that this is what happens instead of Marvel. Marvel's kind of on the way down. I think we have our answer as far as Where everyone's going to go to now. Because here's the thing. I'm not well versed in. Nintendo's history. But I do appreciate. Two things. One. Nintendo is Japanese owned. Always has been. And as we've seen in recent years. With the growing success of anime and manga. Japan is not as influenced by social justice. And woke culture slash religion. And they have always stayed true to what they are. And I I do recognize that in this movie as here's the second thing. They could have very easily gone in a social justice direction with this. And it looked like they were going to from the trailers with the way they were handling Princess Peach. Because the whole buy-in for this movie is Luigi is the one who's seemingly kidnapped and needs to be rescued. I will say this. It's not quite that simple, and very cleverly, the writers made it so the princess is the one being rescued at the end, though not in the normal way where it's a physical capturing. I don't want to go into it, I don't want to spoil it too much, but Nintendo found a way to stay true to their core premise of Mario being the hero, saving the princess, without going down the social justice route of making it like the princess saves Mario or the two of them together save Luigi. It it was well done. So do I think this is the greatest movie in the history of the world? No, but this is a very, very solid bromantic movie. It's the best movie of the year so far. And if you are any fan of Nintendo, play Nintendo at any chance, you will enjoy it. But I would think this is enjoyable overall because ultimately it's Mm -hmm. about the... Power of family, the two brothers sticking together, the belief in yourself, right? And honestly, it's an unabashedly Italian movie as well, which is kind of awesome nowadays. It's kind of awesome to see that nowadays, you know, quote unquote white people being represented. And I'm saying that facetiously, right? It's just kind of cool that we can go back to like, hey, the 80s, but we're going to upgrade it. And yes, the graphics, the animation, is as good as it looked in the trailers. So I would highly recommend this movie, especially if you've got kids. Everyone I know with kids is seeing it. If you have kids and you haven't seen it, go see it. If you don't have kids, go see it.
0: So, Justin, I have a question for you. Um, yes. Would you like to guess the Rotten Tomato score of this movie among, amongst the critics? 60%. You are spot on. 56%. What about the audience score?
1: Seventy-eight. Ninety-six. Ah, there we go. There's, so the audience is responding even better than I expected.
0: Yeah. And I think the, the, the this the uh fifty-six percent it this started at like thirty percent amongst the critics. Critics so are wait not... a
1: second. Hold on a second. Do me a favor. Sure. Can you check the ratio for Batman versus Superman? Sure, I'll get on that. Because I think it's the same ratio. It sounds like a Snyder ratio. All right, Dawn
0: of Justice, 29%, 63%. That's the original theatrical version.
1: So it's a similar gap. You see what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. That's interesting. That's interesting. And continue with your point. Yeah. So my point is that the critics here don't like this, and I've seen some people criticize the animation. They don't like Illumination style. I can kind of get that. I I haven't seen it yet. I really want to see. I wanted to see it this week before we did the show, but I just didn't have the time. I may may have it the doesn't time today. Look like
1: Illumination style, it looks like they figured out how to do the animation for the <laughs> video
0: game. Well, I, I I'm 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 excited to see it. I, I and and, and uh, I'll give you my uh, I'll give you my thoughts uh, in the in Discord uh, if I if I get a chance to see it today. I think that one criticism that I've heard, and this is really what my real question is, Justin, is that this was too childlike in its plotting. And theme- that it was no toy story in that there were no deeper, um, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of things that a parent can enjoy watching the first two toy stories for sure, right? There's There's deeper themes that a kid would not even be aware of. And that there was more
1: depth in it, and therefore, that's that this is a bad movie. What do you think about that kind of criticism, Justin? So I do agree that there's not a lot of thematic depth to it. This is not a this is not a Pixar movie. That yeah, is why I, I
0: said. Go ahead. I was going to say that that to me makes sense. I don't think you every movie needs to be a, a Pixar movie, but right. Justin, can Pixar even make a Pixar movie right now?
1: Uh, I mean, I look, I'm a big fan of Luca. So like there are stuff that come out that's come out recently that's been really, really good. So I, I don't yeah, know. But, it's, it's tough to keep up with that. But stuff. Luca
0: was a while back, wasn't it? I mean, we've had uh, Onward and uh, I, I love Onward, I me- too. I don't remember what the uh, what's the other one was that Disney animation? The uh, the one with the, fa- the the diverse family and the father and the son.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm looking right now. Hold I can't on. remember the name of it. That's how uh that's so, how Lightyear, which I really liked. Turning Red was terrible. But yeah, so I really liked Lightyear and and Luca, and I really yeah. like Soul and Onward. So I'm a little weird where I like the the newer ones. Right? Yeah. The only but, real but, mystery but I think is you would at least red. agree that it's not Toy Story. What's not Toy Story? That that that
0: that uh turning red and uh and uh I can't remember the other one. The one that's a ripoff of uh, of uh, the
1: journey uh, stuff. Oh, that but, was a Disney movie. Yeah, yeah, that one was terrible. Yeah, you're talking so, about w- where they went uh, the the one that I absolutely panned. Strange World. That's Strange what you talking World. about. Thank you. That's yeah. not Pixar. That that's Disney. Uh, yeah. That's different. Yeah, Disney, no, Disney, but that goes back to, I mean, what we're going to talk about with the final trailer. With Disney, yeah. it's just completely off, and that's why turning rad, rad, red was so bad, right? Yeah. I mean, people complained about that with Lightyear with, like, the gay character in it, but that was, like, such an insignificant thing. It and was just stitched I, I, on for marketing. Right, and, I mean, I think that that's really what people are having issues with with this movie. I think it's a veiled uh, critique, and what I mean by that is, None of the theme in this is social justice. look it's a ta- it's an Italian movie, dude yeah. like well i would I would, I would even turn that a little people. bit on I would Go even ahead. turn that
0: a little bit on its head, justin, and say that this is a completely safe movie to watch with your kids,
1: yes Meaning, because like, it's about family and believing yeah, in yourself exactly. It's literally about look. Dude, they all sit around the table And the family doesn't believe in them And it's been Mario and Luigi since they were kids And they're brothers And they're gonna help each other And then they save each other And they go home and everyone believes in them And they're like, yay, Mario and Luigi You saved Brooklyn Like, dude, I understand Japanese people made it But it's about believing in yourself and family And yes, it's Mm. not very deep And that's why I call What did I call it? I said it's a proof of concept for Nintendo animated films Look, I this is you want to know what I think happened? I'm going to tell you what I think happened business wise. First of all, I'm going to ask you a question. Since the 80s, there's been one Nintendo movie. What was it? Super Mario, or no, it was yes. just Mario Brothers, right? The okay, Mario yeah. Brothers, that terrible yeah. thing where they gave creative control to the studio and they absolutely butchered the source material. You remember yeah. that one? I do, and it failed miserably. Since then, has Nintendo done anything with movies? Only Pokemon, right? They did TV with Pokemon and they did movies with Pokemon. Nintendo hasn't even released Funko Pops. Think about that for a minute. Every other brand has done Funko Pops. Nintendo is very, very wary of getting involved with American culture. Are they not? Yes, yes. So I think Universal said to them, we're going to open a new theme park. We would like to put a Nintendo land in a theme park. It is a travesty. There is not a Nintendo land in a theme park. It's a travesty. There's not a Nintendo theme park. And then they said, well, what about a movie as a marketing opportunity for that theme park? And Nintendo said, well, let's try it and see what happens. I don't yeah. think they fully committed to this. I think they made a safe movie on purpose to see what would happen and to see if there was a market for it. And I think they stuck as close to their IP as possible because they didn't want to alienate anyone and they didn't want to lose a bunch of money and make themselves look bad.
0: Do you see yeah. what I'm saying? I do. And I don't want to toot my own horn here, but I think Arcane plays a part in this, right? And what I mean by that is uh, Arcane and then to some extent other things like Castlevania On the more adult-oriented side, Um, basically being true to your IP is kind of countercultural right now, and for video game movies, uh, you know, they've always been historically pretty bad. uh, Television video game uh, uh, adaptations, but I think with Arcane winning all those Academy Awards and uh, and uh, Castlevania doing really well, and um, the Japanese animated Death Note and a couple of other adaptations of manga, like. That things that have been true to source material um, have paid off, right? And things that have deviated from the source material have failed. You know, take take out the social justice uh, aspect. Um, Lord, Lord, uh, Rings of power failed. It's a complete failure, and it's it, it's a ongoing train crash, right? Star Trek, despite yeah. the the despite the uh, the uh, half ass turnaround in this last season of Star Trek Picard, it's been a disaster.
1: Well, and I don't think you can separate the social justice from it because that's what I'm saying is the, the thinly veiled critique. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Look, this is not a deep exploration of family. It's not a deep exploration of believing in yourself, but at the same time, the reason it doesn't need to be is because video games have a story baked into them and they have a story that is more, action-based, it's more concretely based, then you need to have these heady, thematic, Pixar-like approach to things, right? I mean, I know everybody loves Inside Out, but to me, one of the failures of Inside Out is it goes too far in that direction. Whereas look at a movie like Luca, right? A movie like Luca is in between those two. Where Luca is heady, it's more heady than the super Mario brothers movie, but it's a hell of a lot less heady than inside, inside out. out. Same thing. Let's take onward as a better example, right? The whole plot of onward is trying to find their dad, right? That onward could have been a video game, dude. You could yeah. have skinned that yeah. as a video game and it would have worked and it would have had the same stuff in there with little cutscenes. You don't need to with video game adaptations change things drastically the only reason you would change things drastically is to make it in line with social justice. Mario Brothers already has a story. I mean, the story here is literally the same story as the eighties TV show. The mm-hmm. two brothers get sucked down a tube and they're in another world, and then they become heroes. That's the plot of this movie. That's the story. There's walkers of... in the barn and Lori's
0: pregnant. How dare but, I mean, that.
1: They become heroes? That That's a spoiler. I mean, do you get the point I'm making? Yeah. Like, yeah. you didn't need it to be thematically deep for Super Mario Brothers. Now, would I like when they eventually do Diddy Kong Country to go a little bit into the hero worship Diddy Kong has for Donkey Kong? Yeah. And then we're going to have to add Dixie in the later one, and then Baby in the other one after that if we keep continuing it like the, the games. But again, even that, do you see what I just said? There's already an arc built into here. Yeah. You add a character that changes the theme. And what are we going to complain every time that it's too simple? Because I mean, look, this is coming from a Zack Snyder fan too, who love the four hour cut of justice league, but that doesn't mean an hour and a half movie can't be good for what it is. Yeah, exactly. I mean, is this as good as Elvis? Is this as good as Zack Snyder's justice league? No. Does this make it not a good movie? Does it make it not the best movie so far this year? No, this is the best movie so far this year. Anyone who's upset about this, that's just they didn't do what Marvel did and use the opportunity to have an IP that people love to brainwash them. And I hope to God it doesn't go in that direction. All right, that's the movie that just came out. Let's talk about some movies that are going to come out. I usually post the trailers for Trailer Takedown in the Discord on Saturdays. That gives you an opportunity to watch them when you want. Maybe you watch them before the episode. Maybe you watch them after the episode. Maybe you watch them during the episode. Trailer takedown. First trailer. Blue Beetle is DC's next movie. I didn't even know they had another movie coming out. And I'm going to be honest, this doesn't look like a movie to me. This looks like a TV show. This looks like a super high budget TV show. It looks like it's shot. In this weird, like, quasi-dark way that Arrow was shot in, it looks like it's the same director and that sort of thing. It stars the kid who plays Miguel in Cobra Kai, and he's... I don't even understand the premise of this movie, first of all. He goes into this building, and this lady hands him a box and says, Take care of this. Don't open it. Like, you're just going to hand this random kid this box? And then, of course, he's going to open it. So he opens it, and then this is sort of like Peter Parker being bitten by the spider. Uh, except instead of the spider, it's this like, weird alien technology that fuses with him. So it's sort of like a cross between Spider-Man and Venom, where the symbiote takes him over. And then it's also, like because it's that cross, it's also a weird Iron Man, except the the AI is female. And then he has to learn how to control this bug so he can become a hero there doesn't even seem to be a villain in this movie it's just like can this kid control the suit and not destroy his life Uh, his family is also involved with this George Lopez plays his father and sort of the 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 shining moment of this trailer where at the end the the kid references Batman and then the dad calls Batman a fascist the idea that that's being entered into popular culture by dc itself that batman is a fascist tackle tackle
0: i'm glad you connected that to the to the arrowverse that it really snaps some of what i was thinking about this uh trailer as well i this this is a this doesn't feel like a dc movie and he, and it definitely kind of looks like it's being shot in, in the Arrowverse but i think it's i think this is a story that's just skinned with the comic book if that makes any sense right like i it this seems like do you need the do you need the could could the scarab be replaced with getting a uh like with a like getting a better job or something right like leaving their family or something that threatens the 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 culture of the family like yes. it's, it, it doesn't seem like because there's no villain. I'm not saying you need to have like a world, you know. There needs to be a cataclysm movie or something like that. But it doesn't feel like a superhero movie, right? It doesn't feel like there, there's no superhero stakes. Um, in, in at least in this preview, um, so I don't know. It doesn't look
1: interesting. So I'm gonna tackle tackle second trailer. Barbie is a movie we've already reviewed, but this is a second teaser. That goes a little further into it. Uh, Ryan Gosling actually appears in this movie. Or in this trailer. As Ken. Uh, obviously the stars Margot Robbie. As Barbie. Uh, I like the concept that there are multiple Barbies and Kens. Uh, there's a lot to like here. That it's aesthetically unique. right? They're trying to have a style with it. But I just found it so abrasive. At the end. Where. They're talking about like getting into an argument like in the 50s and they're talking about uh was it beaching each other off it's just it's not funny especially if you're trying to this seems to be trying to have like intelligent social commentary and satire and then you have that sort of joke and i know i'm saying that and i'm a huge south park fan it just come on that's more of a family guy joke than a south park joke Right. Because of the and way it's repeated. Tr- like,
0: it, it's right. not the joke that's funny. It's the fact that they repeated it that's funny.
1: Right. They repeated it as if no one got it. Thank you for... That's what I was trying to figure out, William. Is why I didn't like it. You're right. That's like something that, like, Cartman would say, or Butters would say, and then Cartman would make fun of him for it, and it would come up a couple other times in the episode, but not repeat right. for, like, a minute in the scene.
0: Yeah. That's a Family Guy thing. Just repeat it until it becomes fun.
1: Right. Now... I'm going to end up seeing this because my wife really wants to see this. And look, the cast is tremendous. So I'm not going to have a terrible time seeing it, depending on how social justice this is. But on my own, based on this trailer, because of how bad that joke is, and that does not give me hope for the rest of the movie, I would not see it. So even though I'm going to see it, William, I want you to hit the drop for tackle because this is officially a tackle. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Tackle. Tackle! Ooh, I hit two tackles. That's how two much tackling at once. you're doing. Wow. Wow. Uh, this entire, like, this is one of those, I think, tragedies where I think the concept could be really interesting. I, I hope the marketing is just bad. I hope that's the worst joke. But Justin, <laughs> don't they always try to use the best joke in the preview or give you all of the jokes? Yeah. And end up spoiling the movie? I, I have so little hope for this movie, I, especially contrasted with this fact that we just talked about Mario and all the good things you you could do with that. Right,
1: right. Uh, but, uh, didn't they wait, do Barbie the better? Hand... Didn't they do Barbie better in Toy Story? Well, they did it in Toy Story already, which is part of the challenge here, right? Yeah, yeah. But look at the look at the tag. She's everything. He's just Ken. You could actually make a really good point about gender roles and everything with this movie in the intelligent way if you wanted to, with that tagline. Will they? I doubt it. Yeah, I doubt it too. So therefore... Uh-oh. Tackle! (laughs) It beeped at me. It was angry that I hit two at once the last time. (laughs) Third trailer. Kandahar stars Gerard Butler as an undercover operative in Iran who it's unclear if the mission is successful or not, but he's on a mission to end Iran's nuclear capabilities. There's an explosion and then he has to escape. Look, it's Gerard Butler. It's a great premise. The only problem I have with this movie is that they seem to suck the interestingness out of it. Like they seem to try and do this gritty realism with it that sort of makes me afraid it's going to be boring. So that doesn't mean I wouldn't see this movie and I don't think it looks good. I'm just afraid that if I didn't see it, I mean, I'm afraid if i sorry, I'm afraid if I did see it, I would get bored while watching it and want to stop. So I will say that I wasn't sure why I had a problem with this movie until I watched the next trailer, but I still wanted to hug this. So I, because of my reservations about the execution of this, it's a Netflix and hug. Netflix and hug.
0: Justin, I had a very similar reaction. I was, I, you know, hey, explosions, action, guns, violence. What, but uh, I, Justin, didn't it feel like we were too zoomed out or too zoomed in, depending on what the zoomed scene? Out. You know what I mean? Like,
1: yeah, but we were I way too zoomed out for shit. Right. Metaphorically zoomed out, too, where it's yeah. like we're trying to show like a like a life portrayal of like the socioeconomic conditions of the political battle between the U.S. and Iran.
0: Yeah, it, it didn't make any sense. For was Gerard the, Butler movie. Yeah, that that's what knocked me out of it. Um, You know, I might put this on. So I think it falls
1: in the same category as you. Netflix and hug. Fourth trailer. Hypnotic is a Ben Affleck movie directed by Robert Rodriguez. In it, Ben Affleck, I'm not even sure what his role is, but his daughter is missing and he's trying to get her back. And at the same time, he's fighting a bad guy who hypnotizes people in order to, I don't know, rob banks. It Look, it's very unclear what the exact premise of this is, but... This shows what happens when you stylize a movie and you actually try to use the medium to your advantage, to the story's advantage. And we have a contrast here between, or we have a battle here between Ben Affleck and the villain, William Fincher. Fincher, I don't know how to say his name, but you have this battle, you have the missing daughter, and you have the means in which the battle is fought. And you know what? I'm all in based on all of these things. This movie looks tremendous. Hug. Hug.
0: This is going to sound like a criticism, Justin, but I don't think it is. This would be an example of a movie I would skin in a DC universe. Couldn't this movie also make sense as Batman versus the Riddler and it'd be Robin
1: and not the daughter? So somebody said that in the comment section on YouTube. Oh, really, Jesus? Yeah, <laughs> they were like, "Oh, this would have been a good Mad Hatter plot," or somebody else was like, "Oh yeah, Mad cross. Hatter, that would be but, better." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right now, I mean, I guess, but like, I like that it's not because I like that he's just a dude. Do you get what yeah. I'm saying? Like, yeah, I, I like I, I that. Getcha. This isn't like what? Well, what did we call it? What? Uh, apocalypse. Apoca, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> Apocalypse, yeah. or something like that, yeah. Right. We made because up everything had to be about stakes. the world. Yeah.
1: yeah, universe stakes. This doesn't need to be universe stakes. This, is, this man's reality is being fucked with. His daughter's missing. That's all I need. But yeah, it could have been skinned. But then again, William, like one of the things I appreciated about the Kandahar trailer was it is an original story. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, not, it's not Barbie. It's not Blue Beetle. It's not... Super Mario, it's not Indiana Jones as much as I like the Super Mario movie, right? It's its own movie. The same thing with this. yeah. and,
0: and like, like I said, said, that sound, I don't want that to sound like a criticism, but just right. to contrast with the other point I made about the earlier trailer, right? Like, well right, this, this is a the, you can tell original stories in other universes. I think is really the point I was trying to make there. All yeah. that being said, turning the page, yeah, this movie looks really interesting. It's told visually. Wow. Like will we have a good movie this year? This might be one. I'm going to hug it
1: hug final trailer Indiana Jones and the dial of destiny is a movie we also already reviewed but Disney finally released a final trailer for it William I remember you talked about the multiple possible endings you didn't tell us yeah. what they were because you didn't know but they didn't know how it was going to end uh, I think regardless of how it ends this trailer is absolutely atrocious Uh, And it's atrocious for two reasons. One, as much as I love Mads Mikkelsen, the idea that we now have to be afraid of Nazis inventing or discovering time travel to go back in time and make sure Hitler won. So now we're taking the would you go back in time and kill baby Hitler to would you go back in time and save baby Hitler. That's what we've made this like. So this is not only a Nazi panic movie, but the capitalism line in this trailer, holy shit. Somebody was like, that's not yours, you stole it. And somebody was like, oh, I stole it from you. And then the woman's like, and I stole it from you. It's capitalism. The idea that they're trying to convince us that capitalism is theft, the idea that uh, resources belong to the collective, belong to the species, and that anybody who owns it and possesses it is stealing it. And now we're making this idea that this artifact Right. And this has always been the problem with Indiana Jones, right? That nobody wanted to talk about. Oh, well, that belongs in a museum, blah, blah, blah. And we're taking the effect that these artifacts belong to uh, the human species. And that's why they need to be put on display. We're taking that as a critique of capitalism because you can own a museum and somebody can own a piece of history and own an artifact and own a discovery and still believe it belongs on display for people to see and make money off of it. Museums can exist in a capitalistic system, but they're taking that line from Indiana Jones, which, I mean, we can argue whether the original one was in that direction philosophically or not, but they're taking it this way now. And this is an example of using an IP that already exists and trying to brainwash people with it and shift the general culture. And unfortunately, this connects to what we were saying about, uh, you know, not being able to support Trump and what we were saying about DeSantis going after Disney. I get it. I get why he's going after Disney. This is a problem. However, the way DeSantis is going after Disney is not the way to do it. The way to do it is just don't see this movie. You want to watch Harrison Ford? Watch him in the show Shrinking on Apple TV. That is a great show. This? No. No, thank you. The original Indiana Joneses are overrated as it is. Uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was absolutely terrible. Interdimensional aliens. And now we have time traveling Nazis, which, by the way, was already done in uh, Enterprise. Season three, I believe, at the beginning of season three, it was done. So it's been done before. It's Nazi panic. I would even call it Nazi panic porn. Uh, It's Anti-capitalist social justice BS. Tackle. Tackle.
0: This is the second attempt to try and pass the baton to keep the franchise going. The last one, we tried to get, uh, what's that crazy person's name that was in Crystal Skull? His son, supposedly. Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. We're trying to get crazy crazy man, noted crazy man, Shia LaBeouf, to be the next Indiana Jones. That didn't work. Now we're trying to get Phoebe Waller Bridge to be the next Indiana Jones because because Kathleen Kennedy and social justice. Um, I this doesn't look any better. In fact, I agree with you; it looks even worse. I don't even know that the end, ending matters. I mean, the only redeeming thing that could possibly happen here is that it has good action in it. But my God, Harrison Ford is almost too old for any of this action, right? We're gonna like how are we even going to make this work? On Shrinky, he plays
1: a guy with Parkinson's.
0: (laughs) What a contrast. No way is this going to be good. I just have to tackle it. Tackle. All
1: right, William, that brings us to the end of our trip. What did we learn?
0: I learned that uh, Mario is going to be the next cinematic universe and uh, that Indiana Jones, much like Star Trek, I've, I've... gotten so old that i've watched all my favorite franchises die justin what did you learn this week
1: Uh, i learned that sometimes the lesson is small scaled and that i have to remember especially when i'm at school perhaps only when i'm at school that i'm teaching and coaching at all times which stuff to do when you're running a mile but i guess even (laughs) then even when your heart rate's at 180 and you're having trouble breathing you (laughs) gotta remember you're still coaching all right. I want to thank everyone for listening. If it wasn't for you, this would just be me talking in the corner of my closet, like a crazy person. It still is that, but you make me feel a little bit less crazy. If you want to support us, you can go to the midside.com slash store or midside.com slash or midside.com slash locals. Patreon is per episode. Lo- locals is per month. You can go to midside.com slash the cut buy my novel. All of this is how we keep the lights on, keep the show going. Keep the show growing, and the best way to grow the show is to tell a female friend. This concludes your journey into the midside. I'm Justin Emblesnewski reminding you that if things get tough, take a step back and witness the farce. Have a family. <laughs>
0: So, Justin, I need you to storm whatever airport Newsom's flying out of and keep him there in Florida. No.
1: You take him back. I don't want him. (laughs) I don't want him.